On this episode of Hit the Deck, we learn about the art of the one-man ball hockey production crew. At the very most, I get like two or three minutes of rest, but luckily I do keep a water bottle with me just to keep myself hydrated behind the camera. And things are winding down in Slovakia, and we've got all the news that's fit to spit. Thank you so much, American Rhino, for the Twitter updates. It's been fun following along, men and women. I'm not the Rhino Italiano. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game on! Welcome to episode 141 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers, and oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, it's been yet another week here at the podcast and everywhere else, because that is how linear time progresses, you know, that that's that's how time works, it's been a week, because it's been a week, I'm not, like, we're not special here on the podcast, it's not like we fell into some kind of wormhole or, or time slipstream that made it a week here, but like 10 minutes for you. Uh, you know, anyway, that's neither here nor there. I am rambling and uh, shame on me for rambling because we have so many other important things to cover here on the podcast and things that warrant, frankly, more airtime and, and, and more attention than my nonsensical banter about time. So, you know what? The best case scenario here, I think, is to jump right into tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And, of course, my triumphant co-host. <laughs> On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi, and so thrilled to have back with us this week. Goaltender, number 25, and voice of the RSHL, Daniel Wilson. Hey, welcome back, Daniel. It's good to have you back on the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed last week's podcast, and we hope that you are in the mood to talk some more about the awesome work that you do down there in the RSHL. But wait, stop. Don't talk. Don't talk. Wait, stop, stop. Because we're not ready for you yet. You know, someone of your caliber requires a little bit of ramp up. We can't just go cold into the interview. That's just like we can't just jump right into it. We need to get there. You know, we need to set set the table for something like this, this kind of conversation. And I know the perfect guys to do it. And, well, I know two guys who will do it. Maybe to say perfect is, is a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a reach. It's a bit of an ambitious notion, frankly. I know two guys who happen to be on this podcast that will do it. And you've already met them because you heard the starting lineup just now. So it's me and James. It's James and I. The James and I. That sounds regal. It's the James and I. So, Accepted uh, it, it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, indeed. Um, how are you, James? How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I I am mostly over the, the yuck the cold that I've been battling for the last couple of weeks. There's still some residual bits, and, and you'll probably hear that a little later, I think, because as I talk, it strains my voice a little bit. But uh, for now, I'm okay. I, I'm, I'm feeling all right. Ha ha. Actually, I'm not feeling all right. I'm feeling okay. But feeling all right sounds better because, you know, I'm feeling all right. We appreciate you gutting it through and, and, yeah, dealing with the cold when it's warm and humid. Uh, we've been underwater here in the New York area for it, the last week. It has so. rained a bit the last couple of weeks. There's, the, there's been a bit of precipitation in the air. Yeah, well, the, the humidity is just off the charts. But anyway, so thank you for your professionalism and gutting it through. And I think these last few podcasts have really been really top-notch. I, I think all of our podcasts are pretty good, but... Yeah, speaking of Mr. Perfect and, and so on and patting ourselves on the back, really great job, man. Uh, uh, okay, yeah. I, I wasn't talking about <laughs> Mr. Perfect. Did somebody bring uh, well, up Kurt Hennig? When you were talking about the perfect guys, that, that was I, I should have joined everybody else with what was going on in my head. Unfortunately, <laughs> I thought of Mr. Perfect, so I assumed everybody else did too, right? Isn't that how it works? No? Yeah, um, yeah, no, 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 uh, sure, yeah, that's it. That's, that's how it works. That's absolutely how I it works. We were behind to, the curve on you, James. You were you were ahead of us. Yeah, I have to learn that when you have a thought, you need to project that with your voice. That's okay. So and share it with people. I'm tired. Yeah, I, I understand. That's fine. 
So there hasn't really been, well, no, I won't say that. There has definitely been hockey this week. There hasn't been hockey that gets the national attention of a Stanley Cup because, as we all know, that ended last week. But we have been covering the World Ball Hockey Championships, and uh, I'm sure we will no doubt cover that more later in the podcast because, you know, we do have someone waiting to talk about other aspects of hockey you know kind of waiting in the wings warming up he's on the bench all set to hop on but uh yeah there 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 has been if you've been following our social media there has been some attention paid to the u.s national teams in uh oh james i i learned i learned the correct pronunciation watching the streams it is koshitse i'm not gonna try that that, that is how you pronounce the place where the World Ball Hockey Championships are currently being played. Košice. You're a brave man and, and a smart man. I'll just stick with Slovakia. <laughs> All right. That's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so we have been paying some attention to that. So more more on that later. But the thing that we have now to talk about, James... Is there anything else worth bringing up before we jump into the meat of this thing? I'm dying to hear part two of Daniel Wilson's interview. All right. Well, then then, then let's get into a conversation with Daniel Wilson. But before we can do that, you know, James, we are contractually obligated to tell everybody what's going on. So I'm going to put that on you and ask you, sir, James, please, would you be willing to tell us all what is on deck for this podcast? I'd be happy to, sir. Thank you most kindly. Another from the Broadcasting Brother. We waited so long for Mr. Daniel Wilson to honor us with his presence on Hit the Deck, and he delivered so well last week that we needed him back to finish things up so you can hear what it takes to webcast ball hockey like a pro. And what's up, Pacho? The American Rhino has been very busy with keeping us up to date with all of the live coverage of the men's and women's U.S. ball hockey teams, during the ISBHF Ball Hockey World Championship. Gary has it all summed up for you going into the medal games. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome. Yeah, you got it. So let's see. Uh, let's see. Let's see. What should we do? What should... I know. Let's talk to Daniel. Okay. So when when last we spoke to Daniel last week, you may... if you've If you've not heard part one of this interview... You should go listen to that because you need to know about how Daniel Wilson is the broadcasting guru of the RSHL. You you want to know all about him and what he does. So, frankly, we're kind of picking this thing up in the middle. So, if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to episode 140 so you know what we're talking about. But when last we left Daniel Wilson... He was telling us all about how the league generally reacts. The, the RSHL as a whole reacts to his broadcasting of these games and, and, you know, what kind of feedback he gets on there. So I feel like we didn't adequately cover that last week. So um, I, I, I want to jump right back into, you know, talking about that. So we have Daniel right here. He's, he's, he's just waiting. He's been waiting with bated breath to talk to us again. So, you know, I don't want to hold him up anymore. I don't want to keep him waiting any longer because we need us some more Daniel. So let's jump right back into that. And I'm going to pick things up where we left off last week. So, Daniel, has there ever been a situation where, not you specifically, but where maybe another player from another team has heard your analysis of a game that they've played in previously and found that to be unfavorable and brought that into the game when you were playing, maybe giving you an extra, you know, a couple of a digs or whacks at the pads or something like that? I mean, I've had a few jests uh, from a few players just joking around, but I never had anyone actually hate me because of my commentary, at least not yet. And I hope that's not the case in the future. Yeah, not Again, I'm just, I'm just being honest and just want everyone to just learn from what they see on the video. No, I think that's a sign of respect. The fact that nobody really comes up to you with any issues. And, you know, that's a credit to you for your professionalism. And speaking of professionalism, how long have you been a broadcaster? Well, as far as the RSHL, our very first game that we ever did was back in January of 2015. Um, Again, that was the completion of the fall 2014 season. So 
this has been going on for about four and a half years. Now, my stuff as far as broadcasting did not start there. I mean, as far as hockey, uh, that was my first. But I've actually done in my high school and college days, I used to do a two-hour show where I just play a DJ set to play electronic dance music. And that went on for uh, quite a few years uh, just because that um, music was my thing. Uh, that sounds a little familiar. James and I also have a background in college radio, so... I guess it's, you know, one kind of breeds the other. You, you, uh, you know, you get a feel for it and it, it just kind of gravitates towards this sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Also, too, have you had any professional training or is it something that you just took up yourself and self-taught? This is something that has been completely all by myself. I've never had any uh, professional training, though we do have like a professional photographer that would be Stan Gilliland. So. Yeah, everything that we've done has, has been an evolution from the very first game that we ever did back in uh, 2015 to what we got today. Certainly doesn't look it. It's really all pro all the way. Uh, any particular sports broadcasters that you admired growing up and or now listen to? I actually have two. The first one really comes naturally, our own John Forslund, who is the commentator of the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, you may have heard his work before as uh, NBCSN can borrow him every once in a while. It's definitely one of the best in the business. He's been with the Hurricanes ever since the Hartford Whaler days. He has that level of enthusiasm, no matter who scores, who's doing the plays. I mean, he's got those phrases that you hear whenever something spectacular happens, which I, I've recently started doing my own uh, catchphrases, which is kind of a spinoff of one of his. I mean, Whenever uh, someone makes a big save, he usually adds Anna Dandy. So I made a little spin on that with uh, spectacular goalie saves in our league by saying Yankee Doodle Dandy. <laughs> the other guy, now he was a sports commentator uh, for soccer and actually not from America. His name is uh, Jonathan Pierce. Now, where I heard him was on a very niche TV show. It was called Robot Wars which was a robot fighting competition, similar to what we have here in America, which would be BattleBots. It, it was one of my favorite types of TV growing up. And this guy's commentary is kind of um, what my tone reflects off him. Is uh, Everything's uh, slow. It's kind of like just steady. And then when something big happens, my voice really gets, gets loud. And sometimes he'll make these ridiculous <laughs> statements. <laughs> So, but some of his old stuff is up on YouTube. Uh, just uh, look up uh, Robot Wars. Uh, listen to some of his commentary. It's uh, some he says some funny stuff. I thought you were going to say Robot Chicken when you started to talk about <laughs> it, which is a completely different thing. But the Robot Wars makes a little more sense. Yeah. So, do you cover other sports and/or leagues too, or are you exclusive to the RSHL? Well, as far as commentary, so far I'm just with the RSHL. I have been asked to do a tournament in Pittsburgh, which I think was part of the ball hockey championships, if I'm correct. But at the time, uh, I couldn't do that one because I had uh, something already scheduled. But some of my work, I I do work in another sport, but not on a broadcasting perspective. I work for a minor league baseball team near my home. And uh, what I do is that uh, I work for the uh, promotions team, uh, which I work with a giant green duck. <laughs> All right. That that's fine. That's uh good work if you can get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, here in Brooklyn, uh we have a minor league team too, the Cyclones, and their mascot, they have a couple of mascots now, but Sandy the seagull is one of them and when he first came out he was a friendly plump looking guy and then all of a sudden a few years ago Gary and I think that he kind of juiced up because he's he's all upper body muscle now and, and no more uh, fun huggable guy so I'm, I'm I'm glad that at least hopefully the duck is a little bit more friendly oh he is and believe me he's nothing like gritty <laughs> oh good <laughs> we can all be grateful for that Actually, James, I, I asked somebody, I tweeted at somebody, a podcaster who has worked promotions for the Cyclones, and I asked him specifically about Sandy and how he, you know, mysteriously bulked up. And basically his response was, yeah, the old costume got pretty rank. They needed to replace it. <laughs> and I guess, you know, I guess if you're you're going to be replacing the costume, you might as well go for an upgrade and and 
you know, make the mascot look a little more formidable. There you go. So uh, again, Daniel, what is your broadcast schedule like on a weekly basis? So uh, the typical schedule is that Sunday is where I go to the rink and record. I just uh, choose a game. And again, my first priority for choosing a game is has that team been recorded yet? And then the next thing on my list down is how interesting can this potentially get? Like, is there a rivalry game? So after that, uh, I typically start editing the footage uh, the following day, which usually occurs either afternoon or evening, depending on my work schedule. And I usually complete the video maybe Wednesday, Thursday, depending on uh, the length of the video, any delays that might have run into. The actual rendering of the video takes about 90 minutes to about two hours, again, depending on length. Once that is complete, I send it off to Kevin for him to upload to the YouTube page. Uh, He's the one that controls the YouTube page. Then after that, it's just a few days uh, rest and get ready for the next one. When you decide which games to cover, is that at the beginning of the season, you sit down with a schedule and say, this one's going to look good. This one's going to be good. This one might be something I want to watch out for. Or do you take it week by week? Most of the time it is week by week, but at the start of the season, I do get a little overview of how the schedule is going to lay out and uh, kind of think about which division do I want to start at uh, as to make sure I get even coverage on everybody. But when it goes to uh, week by week, again, my criteria comes into play as in who's been recorded and is this a rivalry game? Do you always aim to put up one a week or are there some weeks where you do like a double shot or tournaments aside? Or, you know, do you have an off season? How, how is your schedule, you know, determined? The times that we do get more than one game in is during playoffs, which I try to aim to get a wild card game in uh, just so we can see some redemption on the, uh, the lower teams. Then we'll get a semifinal game. And then at the end of the season, we record all three finals from all three divisions. How often do you get to play? Uh, I actually play for um, a, a team. I play every week with the Mighty Viking Devils in the C Division as their goaltender. So you get a weekly game. Is that standard in the RSHL across all divisions? Yes. You know, whenever I get the chance, uh, if I can find someone to operate the camera for me, I get the uh, Viking Devils in as well. Uh, again, I aim to get everyone in the YouTube page every season. Okay, awesome. So obviously, you know, you, that, that's your, your regular kind of broadcast schedule when you're doing your seasons. And I know you have a number of seasons throughout the year, but you also have a couple of tournaments that the RSHL hosts. And I know that you try to do quite a big video production out of those. So talk us through, first of all, how many tournaments are there over the course of a year and how do those tournaments from production standpoint differ from your everyday, you know, season broadcasting? Well, the RSHL typically has two different tournaments, which is the Ironman tournament, which we've already had this year and the three versus three uh, summer shootout, which is our next tournament, which will be coming up in late July. So I'll keep an eye out for that. And the one exception that we had was last year where I actually traveled with the team to Tampa to do a tournament over there. And it, it was a really different experience. It really got me an idea of what the fan base is like in Tampa. But the production schedule is much different from what I do on a typical game. What I, we usually do is that I usually skip right over to the playoffs because if I did the round robin games, it would drain all my battery take up all my footage it would take me weeks to complete just by myself but luckily these games are very short uh usually no more than 10 minutes so it's usually bang bang right there and the videos themselves will vary depending on how many teams are playing like the uh, b and c divisions we've had eight teams And the video usually tends to be about an hour, 15 minutes in total when you consider how many times I have to change over the the cameras and doing the editing. And the A division is usually the easiest one because there typically is less teams playing because uh, there I don't know how many uh, higher division teams come to uh, to Raleigh to, to play these tournaments. 
But it's usually a more hectic schedule, but it's at least one that I at least make a toggle for myself. How many times do you have to change the cameras on a typical tournament day? Well, the good news is that the cameras, the GoPros, typically last about two hours. And depending on the schedule of the tournament, they can last a whole division. But if I have to change them out, I take one of the cameras off and I have a backup camera to take its place. And then I put that one on the charger so it's usually uh, not that much of a problem and there's usually a break in between divisions so that's time for me to charge up everything back to full strength so let's talk about that now i know when you edit and upload the videos you do the playoffs for an entire division at one shot one after the other after the other is that how the games are scheduled on the day it uh, typically is, though, the uh, Ironman that we had this past season, they had the uh, B division go first. But I try to put them out in order from C division up to B division up to A division, just so that it just looks more smooth when everyone's viewing the uh, YouTube page. And do you ever get a break between games? I mean, how, how does your voice last for the duration of a day? The games in each of the tournaments, they usually do not get a break in between. Uh, they usually just put the teams on and get them playing because they already did their warm-ups. So at the very most, I get like two or three minutes of rest. But luckily, I do keep a water bottle with me just to keep myself hydrated behind the camera. And you were telling us, uh, here, here, I'm going to I'm gonna reveal a secret here on the podcast. Dun, dun, dun. You were telling us before we started recording that you had had some, some tea in preparation for the interview. Is that part of your preparation process for when you record games? There are uh, some broadcasters that actually suggest to, and it's, um, I had like an orange tea, uh, uh, something like fruity. What I usually do is try to get something to like moisturize, try to clear up my vocal cords. So there's like no anything that like gets caught in my throat that forces me to like wheeze out or anything like just just sounds terrible. So if you get a good tea that can clear out your vocal cords, that's something that I would recommend if you're um, going to prepare yourself for this kind of stuff. I've heard that a little bit of pineapple juice is also good for lubricating your voice. Oh, yeah, that too. So... Okay, awesome. Thank you for that tip. And you know, I'm going to I'm going to just take a break here in the middle of this interview. Well, it's probably towards the end actually, but I'm going to take a, a quick break here and I'm going to ask a question seemingly completely random, but we've been asking this of our guests of late because my daughter, my 8-year-old daughter, inquiring mind wants to know. So, Daniel, I'm going to hit you with this. What is your favorite food? I typically uh, love myself a bit of chicken and and fries, a typical American meal. But uh, after games, I usually go to like one or two places. One, I either go to this uh, noodle shop and put some grilled chicken in there and just get myself like all these carbs for my system. Or we go to the uh, local ale house that we have and just get myself like a burger, maybe a beer on the side. <laughs> All right. That's fine. That That's that's great. That's actually your I think you're the first guest that we've had who's answered that question who hasn't said pizza. So <laughs> that's, I mean, I like that, too. But. Sure. No, no. That There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, you know, you, you are unique in that regard. <laughs> and she uh, though she has gone to bed, she did want to say hello. So she wanted to pass on her greeting. I'll pass on the same to her. All right. I, I will relay that. Thank you. <laughs> so. Uh, all right. Thank you for indulging an eight-year-old girl in, in that and, uh, you know, me relaying <laughs> it. So let's get back to the interview, uh, you know, the, the, the proper hockey portion of the interview. How long have you been playing? I mean, I assume that you didn't just grow up fully formed in, in 2015 and say, you know what, I'm going to play and broadcast all at the same time. How long have you been in the game? Well, for this, we have to go back to 2012, which... I had picked up a renewed interest in uh, ball hockey. At the time, I was in Florida doing an internship. I was working for the uh, Walt Disney World Resorts doing uh, attractions. Huh. And so what I did is that I actually went to a Tampa Bay Lightning game, and I was just uh, so excited after watching And by the way, the Hurricanes were playing that year. And so what I did is that I went to the local uh, sports shop, got myself a stick, a puck and uh, some pads and actually started shooting on the side of a cardboard box I had lying around. So when it was time for me to go back to North Carolina, 
I started looking around, seeing if there was any leaks nearby, and uh, that's where I found the RSHL. And I started going to their pickup games, and I did not start off as a goaltender. I actually played forward for a little bit before I decided to move back to the more defensive position. But I did play for one former team that used to be around. uh, They were known as the Killer Bees. In that season, we finished last, but... That team had broken up since then, and now I joined the Mighty Viking Devils in 2017 as mainly their starting goaltender, but also defense uh, every once in a while. I'm just curious, did your experience at Disney World prepare you to work with the Green Duck? (laughs) Well, I I guess you could say that because uh, they tell us uh, uh, no matter what position we're in, we're part of the show. I mean, uh, the... The character that we have back in our baseball team is, is sort of uh, kind of works a lot like Donald Duck. All right. Well, well good. I'm I'm glad you have that background to fall back on. All right. Now, you, you, you talked about the evolution of starting as a forward, then playing defense and getting in goal. How did that, I mean, did you teach yourself the position to, of playing goalie? Because it's probably the hardest position out there. And then looking into buying the pads and, and the gear and all that stuff. Because one of the things about Gary is that he's very particular. Well, I think we all are. Uh, we're very particular about our equipment, but particularly for goalies, you really have to do your homework and get proper fitting and, and all this stuff. So is that something that you tied in with your knowledge of the equipment you used for broadcasting, then jumped into goalie? And how did you learn how to play goal? Well, I mainly moved to goalie because I realized that as a forward, I just didn't uh, match up uh, with speed, which is pretty much the game is based on nowadays. But what really tied into me deciding to go to goaltender was because I used to be in uh, martial arts, which reaction was one of the big things. So when I first got my equipment for being a goaltender, I actually did go to a shop and they did have me fitted for for pads. And the first year that I played with my Viking Devils, uh, it did help me lead uh, to our Carolina Cup run, which uh, ended up being my first. This season, I had decided to switch up my pads and decided to go with something more light to help me with mobility. Because uh, as much as I like uh, the, uh, the old pads, uh, it was a little bulky, kind of hard for me to move. And with all that padding the heat really uh does get to you i mean at one time when i was at a pickup game the heat got to me and i had to stop in the middle of the game and i I had to walk off so they had to finish the pickup game with well luckily we had someone else that brought their pass their game but so the new pads definitely uh, helped with as as far as heat and again uh mobility it got more flexible and people have been saying that that it really did help with my performance fantastic yeah i mean Honestly, as a goalie, you know, the pads that you're using, the feel of the pads can make all the difference. So it's good that you finally found something that really worked for you. Yeah, it was something that I I never really uh, consider because I mainly look at more skilled base when I look at players. But it really does help if you decide to go with less bulky pads. I know that uh, the NHL has been uh, telling goaltenders to to go with these more slim equipment, uh, Mm -hmm. mainly to try to produce more scoring. But I do think that it does have an advantage for them. If they can take their flexibility and reaction timing into consideration, it really can be a big help. I Let me tell you, I got these pads that I'm using now secondhand. I got them used on sidelineswap.com. And the guy who had had them before me had put in extra landing gear landing pads for the knees uh, and he had like basically just I, I don't know where he got them but he had put an additional one on both sides and I couldn't squeeze my legs together because they were just too like too bulky I I guess he was having problems where he was hurting his knees when he came down but like I don't know how he used them because I could not close my pads so yeah the 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 bulk of the pad can definitely affect your game yes but pretty much every goaltender has their setup so it just uh, depends on what feels good to you just uh, make sure that you uh, work them out before you go out to the rink definitely So, Daniel, could you even estimate how many games and tournaments you have broadcast up to this point of your career? Not counting tournaments, uh, we have well over 100 games recorded on the YouTube page. And like I said earlier, we have two more coming to finish out the spring season. The tournaments, um, we usually do two tournaments. Each of them has three videos. So that's uh, six tournament videos that we upload. So if you consider that we have three different seasons, spring, summer and fall seasons, you're looking 
at around oh well over 40 videos per year wow yeah that's impressive. all by yourself when do you take a break because obviously you know 40 is not 52 so when do you break the breaks uh, is uh, whenever we're in the off season or if the league has a week off because of holiday or if our team is traveling to a tournament outside of the Raleigh area. So those are the times where I can relax and take a break unless, of course, I am traveling with them. Oh, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up traveling because I wanted to ask you what you mentioned earlier that last year you went on a trip to Tampa and it was really cool and eye opening. How were they, the the people that ran the rink down in Tampa, how were they with you broadcasting that game? Were they cool with it? Oh, yeah, they absolutely were. They actually have a dedicated set for uh, photography um, behind one of the ends of the, of the rink. So I could bring my equipment up there and uh, record from that. And, of course, I had to work with the setup of the GoPros because it was different from what we had in Raleigh. Hmm. So instead of the GoPros behind the net, we actually did a GoPro on the side, which was uh, much easier because the, the glass was much lower than what we had back in Raleigh. So it was something I had to test out a, a little bit, but uh, it, it was definitely one where I could really work with. Tampa really had a setup that was something we don't have back in Raleigh. Awesome. That sounds like it was a really cool moment for you in your broadcasting career. Do you have any other highlights, either from broadcasting or playing, things that you, you know, look back on that you've done that stick out for you as as moments that you really want to remember and, and like to talk about? Well, obviously, as far as playing goaltender, it has to be our Carolina Cup run back in the fall of 2017. It was the C Division final, and we were facing the uh, Labatt Blues at the time. That game went into overtime. And by the way, that video is up on the YouTube page if you want to see how that turned out. But uh, <laughs> You have to go to like about three minutes into overtime. Blues forward Bailey Dennis managed to get a breakaway. He got around our defense uh, woman, Ashley Oscar Bay. Uh, uh, she's now Ashley uh, Riddle, by the way, uh, hooked up with Ryan Riddle. So he gets uh, he gets around and gets a breakaway. So, I mean, I was really nervous at the time because like, oh boy, my chance at a Carolina Cup is at risk. So I had to do... The first thing that came to mind, which was to move forward out of the crease, play aggressive. And so I see that he's trying to go around on my right side towards the center. And my reaction is to kick the leg out. And I had no idea if I had made the save or not. The only way that I knew was, was to cheer from my bench. <laughs> and, and you could you could hear that in the video. But but I mean, I knew my job wasn't done because I because I immediately sprawled back over there just to make sure that uh, they didn't get a rebound chance. But one minute later. Kevin Darst from the slot scores the game winner. And I just like threw my helmet off, threw all my equipment to the ground, just ran to him, gave him a big hug. So, so that was my first and right now only Carolina Cup. Uh, okay. So I guess you'll have to go back and watch the video to find out whether your team won or you're just a really good sport. <laughs> and as far as broadcasting, that is a tough one because there are many, many games that, that I could pick from where there's been a really memorable moment. Really, the rule of thumb that I would give for anyone in the RSHL is that if you make my voice break with excitement, you know that you've made the highlight reel. You've talked to uh, Kevin Frost a couple months ago. And mentioned that he was uh, going to goaltender. I actually have two games of him from this season. He's with the Zambronis in the B division. And he really did make my voice break uh, with excitement because he made two spectacular saves, both from the ground. And that's where I brought in the Yankee Doodle Dandy line. It, it, it's definitely a must watch. It's from this season. Zambronis, uh, they have two games up. So be sure to check that one out. And Kevin told us this is kind of his rookie year playing goal. He's he's new to the position. So to be able to have those kind of instincts and, and pick it up and be that clutch that quickly is, you know, really impressive for him. So that's pretty cool. Good recommendation. Does he also play with the Loch Nessies? Was that, was that his team? That was his team for the Ironman tournament. Oh, the tournament. Um, okay. The team that you're referring to is the Lock Monsters. The Lock uh, Monsters, the, yes, right. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yep, up in the A division. They used to be in the in the B division, but they have become so good. They kept dominating each season that when one of our A division teams uh, broke apart, it was like, heck with it, we're going to move them up and put them in the A division. They're just that good. 
But uh, yes, um, he is still playing with the Lock Monsters. Um, this season didn't go as well as they had wanted, but I think um, they'll be looking to try to aim to get to the top next season. All right. So you mentioned kind of a, a highlight reel, and I, I understand that you were saying that in the context of, you know, calls and games that you've enjoyed. But do you actually have a reel that you maintain of your own stuff, things that you've broadcast? Well, if you go to the Raleigh Street Hockey League YouTube page, uh, the first thing you would see is like an introduction to the league where I do have clips from some of the older games, which, uh, like I said, it's more of an introduction, but it'll just show you uh, some of the good stuff that you'll see from this league. But a lot of these games have gotten really competitive. Uh, these teams are just hungry for another cup. So pretty much that almost any game that is coming from this season it's definitely one to definitely look for. This is definitely a, a very competitive league. Nothing like before. So this year is is kind of a new start for the RSHL. Well, um, they have been injecting some new talent into some of the teams. And if you've seen the A Division finals, one of our guys from the Big Hawks, Dave Stella, had uh, mentioned that that. They've been getting some new players into their team. And this is something we've been always looking for. We want to see this league grow as much as possible. And uh, with some of these older players moving on, and maybe a spoiler here, we may have a retirement in one of these finals. Oh, but no. um, we're always looking for new players. People come to pick up games says find a team to join. Which leads in perfectly to the promotion if you wouldn't mind letting everybody know out there how to contact Raleigh Street Hockey, how to find them online, please let us know. So if you uh, want to uh, know more about the RSHL, you go to RaleighStreetHockey.com. That is our main webpage. It'll give you all of the stats and information about each of our teams, each of the divisions, our standings. It'll also give you information to our Ironman and Summer Shootout tournaments. Again, our Summer Shootout is our next tournament coming up, which will be on July 27th of 2019 at Greensboro Sportsplex. And if you want to see our videos, go to YouTube.com and search for Raleigh Street Hockey League. And you'll, of course, hear my beautiful voice for each of these games. And we also have our Facebook and Twitter pages if you want to stay up to date with the latest from the league. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Daniel. And, you know, you're welcome to come back on the podcast anytime if you have anything you want to talk to us about or call us out on or, uh, <laughs> you know, anything, anything really. Our, our proverbial door, our penalty box door is always open. Does that, <laughs> does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Our broadcast well, booth. Yeah, that, that one works. That one works. Our broadcast <laughs> booth is always open. <laughs> it, it is quite an honor, sir, and I look forward to seeing you guys again. Thank you. Keep up the good work, Daniel. Amen. Thank you. All right. Wow, yeah, that was really worth the wait. Mr. Wilson, fantastic job. Thank you for joining us. It was worth the wait. Mr. Wilson definitely delivered, so thank you so very much. And, yes, he's been a busy man, too, as has been the American Rhino, with all of the coverage of the uh, ISBHF Ball Hockey World Championships. But again, yeah, thank you so much, Daniel, for uh, joining us. And um, fantastic job. Really fascinating. Uh, if you're a ball hockey fan out there, street hockey fan, that's how it's done. Really well done. I'm really just proud of myself for getting through two weeks of interviews without making a Dennis the Menace reference once. <laughs> yeah, well done, sir. You, you, get a, you get a star for that. So. Yeah, I, like, I can't tell you how many times I just wanted to go off and say, oh, Mr. Wilson, just because, I don't know, I grew up watching Dennis the Menace on, on you know, cartoons on TV. So, like. That's just my frame of reference. So I apologize, Daniel. If you are of an age with James and I, it's probably not the first time you've heard something like that. And I will leave it there. So, you know, we just I, I just want to echo what James said. We are very, very grateful for all of your contributions to this podcast over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, very well done where you mentioned that after. So he, he can't come after us or, or yell at us or anything. So thank you, American Rhino, James, for saving our butts. How long have we been doing this? I, 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 <laughs> I know how this works. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the fact that we insulted him to begin with, I'm so grateful that he decided to come on in the first place. It's called a bookend, James. Oh, okay. You I don't know how you this insult him works. at the beginning and then you insult him at the end to, to kind of give it closure. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
All right. Uh, but the thing that's been keeping you guys busy, besides your uh, podcasts and broadcast skills and, and leagues and stuff, has been the uh, World Ball Hockey Championship. Yeah, no doubt. As Daniel mentioned to us last week, two of the players from the RSHL are over in Košice, and they are currently playing in the Ball Hockey Championships. And I say currently because they're still in it. They're hanging on by a hair, but they are still in it. Right, and Ms. or Doctor, I should say, Becky Dobson, has been having a great tournament too, so we appreciated her stopping by on the podcast a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, definitely. And she has been opening a practice in Košice, and she's definitely been contributing to the team there as well. So she's she's made the rounds. She's, she's getting it done. But uh, if you haven't been watching, or, well, if you haven't been watching, which you have the opportunity to do, because we have been posting links to nearly every game over there that the U.S. teams, men and women, have been playing. We've been posting links to that on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed, which uh, is at Hit the Deck and Hit the Deck Pod, respectively. So you have had the opportunity to watch that. But if you haven't been able to watch it, then you've, I hope, been keeping up with our social media, particularly our Twitter feed, wherein we've been giving you the results of every game, the times of every game, except for that one Canadian game that I got wrong. I apologize for that. Stupid military time zone conversions. Anyway, neither here nor there. I apologized already. And we've even been able to live stream a couple of the games or a few of the games you know, when the option presents itself, when I'm not commuting or, you know, otherwise engaged in meetings and stuff at work or sleeping in the case of the U.S. Hong Kong game. But yeah, we've, we've tried to give you as comprehensive coverage as we have been able to give. So if you are still interested in that, if you've missed it, if you want to go back and review how they've done, you can check it out there. Or if you know, going forward, you want to see there. there's not much hockey left over there. But if there is a little bit that you still want to find out and you're a little late to the dance, you can catch it there on our social media. It would definitely be worth your looking into it. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, American Rhino, for the Twitter updates and the Facebook posts as well. And the same thing for Daniel Wilson. Becky, if you follow her and her teammates at USA Ball Hockey, have all done great jobs of promoting what's going on over there in Slovakia. And it's been fun following along, men and women. Unfortunately, yeah, the men didn't have the best showing, but that's not from a lack of effort or the stiff competition they've been facing. But the women, as of the recording of this podcast, had a great prelim round. I think they only lost to Canada, right? They they won all of their other games? Yeah. I, no. Um, yes. Sorry. No. 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 <laughs> I know. I've been all up and down, James. Okay. So l- let me go over this. So basically, here's what happened. The men, as you mentioned, had, let's call it an uneven tournament. The preliminaries, they lost their first three games, you know, by margins of, you know, from like one to five goals. They lost their first three games. And then the last game, they won, I think, 12 to one or something to that effect. And uh, I forget what team that was against. It might have been Great Britain, but they like. Yeah, so it was. Yes. Yeah. So that. Oh, thank you. So that last game they won that earned them. And I'm sure the goal differential helped that last game earned them an opportunity for a play in into the medal round. So they had basically a one game playoff to get in with Hong Kong and they won that game 14 to 1. So, you know, oh, they're rolling. They're they're doing very well, right? And then just today as we record, they had their quarterfinal game with Canada, which they lost 4 to 2. Although one of those was an empty net goal, but it doesn't really matter. They lost that game 4 to 2, so their tournament is effectively over. I I saw a tweet somewhere that they may play another game to like see who qualifies for fifth place or something I'm, I'm not sure about that but in terms of their you know chances to medal their tournament is over yeah i'm just on the um facebook page of isbhf right now and um at the recording of this podcast when the american rhino uploads it it will be 
Friday, June 21st. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm really torn, man. It's Italy versus Team USA. So that's not fair. I, I don't like when my homeland goes against my country. So, you know, my roots are from Italy and obviously born and raised here in the beautiful, wonderful United States. But um, so that that's what it comes down to. I have no such conflict. USA, USA, USA. <laughs> fair enough. American rhino. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not the rhino Italiano. Hey, rhino, rhino Italiano. Hey, rhino, rhino Italiano. My wife is, is coming in here to, to hit me, I think, as we speak. So if you hear a loud noise and I stop speaking abruptly, you'll know what happened. Ah, uh, mamma mia. Anyway, so here, mamma mia, here I go again. My, my. Okay, enough, Ava. So that was the men's tournament, essentially. And then we go over to the women. And the women have had much more success in this tournament. They, I forget if their record was two and two or three and two. Uh, let's see. They had a big win to open against Great Britain. They lost to Slovakia in overtime. They beat Czech and they lost to Canada and I don't remember if they, I think that might've been all the teams. So they may have finished the preliminaries two and two, but uh, yeah, but, but they, they had a much more competitive, just generally speaking with the level of play, they had a much more competitive preliminary round. And, uh, you know, Becky had some goals, Becky Dobson. And I think she got some assists from Sheree Stewart. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 been a really enjoyable to watch tournament i will say that there has been some questionable officiating there was one i think this was the men's game that they played against slovakia i can't remember for certain i think this is what happened that it was the men's game but one of the games it was i believe the end of the second period and the u.s team was up to nothing and so the the game clock on the broadcast had run out by several seconds, like by like five seconds. And somebody knocked the net off and there, you know, there was a score by the Slovaks and they still counted it as a goal. Like <laughs> the arena clock had point zero seven seconds or something left. And, and the, they reviewed it and they called it a good goal. There were some other reviews, you know, replay reviews that, that went against the U.S. on questionable calls. It's, there's some home cooking in Slovakia. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm confident enough to say that here as somebody who's watched this tournament. But that aside, I will say the men did not seem to play up to the level of some of the other teams. The women, I'm going to give a very candid assessment here. The women played very well. The only kind of thing I will criticize about the women's team is that their special teams don't seem to be gelling. Their, their special teams have not had nearly as much success as their, their you know, regulation, regular five-on-five teams because their, their power play has not really done much of anything and their penalty kill has given up some goals. So that is unfortunate, and I think that has been the difference for them in this tournament, but generally they have had a very impressive level of play. And that includes games against the Slovak team, which has been incredibly physical, like much more physical than I think is generally permitted in this you know level of play. I will give the referees credit in today's game, which was between Slovakia and the U.S. women. In today's game, a lot of stuff was being called. So they had their chances on the power play. And as a result, I think Slovakia didn't play as physical, at least not until the third period, when they kind of let everything hang out and and got very chippy. But on the whole, you know, it it, it that's been the tenor of these games. And that was the game that the ladies won in overtime, correct? Yes, correct. They took an early lead on a goal by Dr. Becky Dobson, assisted by Cherie Stewart. And 
you know, that that was great. There was one moment which I think helped contribute probably to the overall physicality and 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 frankly ugliness of the third period. And that was so in the second period, Becky tripped one of the Slovakian players it wasn't like malicious. She was reaching around her for the puck with her stick and she managed to take the player's legs out instead. And the player, you know, it, the player went down hard, I guess, because she she couldn't get up and the medical staff had to come out and tend to her and she was down for a long time. It didn't look like anything out of the ordinary to me I guess she just landed wrong because it just looked like a regular trip and fall like you'd see in any number of hockey games and she landed square you know it didn't look like she came down ugly on any one particular part of the body but whatever happened she had trouble getting up and the the worst part of it I think well not the worst part of it, but the part that really I think caused the problem the issue is that it went un called the trip went uncalled so play continued as she was just laying there on the deck until eventually there was a stoppage and eventually later in the period right right at the end of the period the Slovaks decided to take a run at Becky against the boards and they knocked her out for a little while but she was back out for the start of the third and that one was penalized so you know it and then like I said, the third period wound up being a, a whole back and forth, you know, mess. But ultimately, the U.S. was able to win in overtime. And so I'm not sure where that leaves them now. I believe that is dependent on the result of the Canada-Slovakia game tomorrow. So or today as the podcast drops. Dr. Becky Dobson posted on her Facebook page, by the way, that after that big overtime win versus Slovakia, she said that uh, depending on the Canada versus Slovakia game, the U.S. women will either play for the bronze or the gold medal on Saturday. So by the time you hear this podcast, we'll have a better idea of what the U.S.'s standing is on the women's side in this tournament. But since we're recording this now and not when you're hearing it, that you'll just have to refer to our social media for that. Do you want to record saying that they'll go for a bronze and then record going for a gold and then splice it in? All right. So you know what? Let's let's prepare. Let's cover our bases for whatever the outcome will be. All right. Here we go. Ready? The U.S. will play for the bronze medal. The U.S. will play for the gold medal. So that should be an exciting thing to look forward to. So watch this space. Hey, you know what? I will say that the lady who scored the overtime winning goal, Karen Levin, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce her name. It could be Karen Levin, but Karen, I'm on a first name basis, so I'm just going to be familiar. Karen scored the overtime goal, and I was happy for her because... Not just because of this, but I was happy for her also because I thought this was a, a great reward for hard work put in. One of the things that was not flashy and did not get recognized because it didn't really result in anything, on one of the U.S. power plays, she made a Herculean effort to keep the puck in the zone several times. Like She was, I think, all alone back at the, the center line. And she was going back and forth, keeping it in from clearing attempts, including, I think, diving at one point to just sweep it back in with her stick. So I was really happy that she was the one that got to score that overtime winning goal. And not only that, but James, you know what the biggest benefit from scoring that goal was? What's you, that? You win the game, you get your picture taken with Pacho. Oh, what an honor. Yes. So she got to meet Pacho. Now, okay, that, that, that's what it's all about then. Forget the game-winning goal. That, that, is, that is the goal of goals. Well done. That's why you go to Kushitze, James. <laughs> and actually, James, there was one, just one last thing that I wanted to talk about from this tournament before we move on. And that was the sportsmanship aspect. Now, in the first game that the U.S. women played against Great Britain, a game which they won, by the way, handily but that's neither here nor there 
in the game, in I think it was the second period, the Great Britain goalie actually collapsed in the net at one point. She had faced kind of an onslaught and made a bunch of saves. And then when the ball got kicked out to the circle for the faceoff, she was kind of hanging on to the back of the net, onto the shelf. And then she just collapsed. And it was a really scary moment because nobody knew what happened or why she collapsed. And since I don't speak Slovak, I don't know what the announcer was saying, if he was getting any information. So all the the training staff from the British team ran out. The trainers from the American team came out to try and help. One of the American players ran to their bench to get a water bottle so she could try and, you know, get that for her. And it was a really great show of sportsmanship. But for my money, the most incredible part of that whole sequence was the American goalie, Carly Beckering, came out of her net, ran across the deck to the other net, and went down to tend to the British player. Now, I don't know what kind of training she has, medically speaking. I don't know what kind of background she has. I did reach out to somebody to try and get that information, but as yet, we have not been able to obtain it. Unfortunately, if we get that, we will pass that on to you, but she must have some kind of medical background because she was down there with her for a long time until she was able to get up and walk off under her own power, thankfully. But not only that, but she also, Carly Beckering, subsequently left the game. And the other American goalie, Alessandra Glista, took over. Who, by the way, wears number 35. So I have no problem with that. She she <laughs> handles herself quite capably. But yeah, the fact that Beckering would leave the net and leave the game, presumably to keep helping this stricken British player, is is just amazing to me. So for me, that was the high, you know, regardless of what happens in the medal game, that for me was the highlight of this tournament. And that's something that I'm going to um, take with me going forward. And, and when I think of U.S. ball hockey, especially the women's team, that is what I'm going to think of. Well said and well done, too, because exactly these women and, and men, as we said before, they first of all have to get to Slovakia off of their own dime and pay their own way to play there. It's a biannual uh, event, so you're not guaranteed to play in many, if any. So to be that selfless and caring and uh, even to leave your teammates, that's great that you, as goalies, you know, you know you can trust one another, but that really speaks volumes of what a great woman she is and uh, what, what ball hockey really is all about. That is sensational and commendable, and I agree with you 100%. They should be very proud of themselves, and hopefully the good karma will come back for Team USA. Yeah, I hope so too, but whether it does or not, it's been a heck of a tournament. So you can watch how that tournament wraps up on our Facebook page. We are at Hit the Deck on Facebook, and you can follow what we follow on Twitter. Uh, we are Hit the Deck Pod. So all I really have to say there is, you know, let's go red, white, and blue. Actually, the Slovak team also seems to wear the colors of red, white, and blue. So I should be a little more specific. Let's go Team USA. And uh, James, I, <laughs> I think we're ready to wrap this thing up. What do you think? Yeah, um, go for it. Let's do this thing. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Indeed. So with another podcast in the books, we would always and of course like to thank you, dear listener for listening to this podcast this particular podcast we would also like to thank daniel wilson for coming back and filling us in on everything that he's doing with the rshl filling in the gaps and finishing off that conversation that we did not get to complete last week we'd like to thank anthony sajazi for providing us with music we'd like to thank the men and women of team usa for playing their hearts out over in slovakia and, you know, we, we're, just, we're just generally thankful for the awesomeness 
that allows us to do this podcast for you every week. If you would like to contact us, if you'd like to get in touch with us, if you have some feedback on something we've said, if you have an idea for a segment, if you just want to yell at us, regardless, you can feel free to email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. I just mentioned Facebook. We are at Hit the Deck on Instagram. We are also Hit the Deck. And on Twitter, we are Hit the Deck Pod. Deck is, of course, spelled D-E-K. So we want to hear from you. Subscribe to the podcast so you can get us just as soon as it drops. You don't have to go looking for it. It's right there in your feed. We would love that. Rate us, review us if you want. We would really, really appreciate that. Really, any engagement that you want to have with us, we welcome. So so please consider becoming a bigger part of the Hit the Deck family. James, is there anything you'd like to add here at the end? Thanks for listening, everybody. Okay. All right. Short, sweet, succinct. Great. So that being the case, I would like for you, dear listener, I would like you always to remember as ever that whether you are slicing and dicing your favorite hockey exploits or giving honest evaluations of your fellow players, whether you are going toe to toe in the heat of battle or laying it all out there to help a competitor regardless of what you find yourself doing i would always always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey don't be that guy thanks everybody don't knock yourself out if it's uh not you know all right well i don't think it's, yeah you have a, lot a of people night, will be traveling you too man you, you too. yeah have a good have a good night james <laughs> goodbye good night good night thank you bye uh, don't let the skype hit you on the way out Disconnect. Do yes, it. Sir. Turn okay. it off. Bye bye. Beep boom. <laughs>